0: We've been blessed with some wonderful music today, haven't we? And that was from my favorite daughter-in-law. I only have one, so she gets to hold the title on that. Uh, We'll look at uh, several passages of Scripture tonight, so if you want to have your Bibles ready. Uh, The older that I get, uh, the more I find out that my life is constantly dictated by my schedule, by my calendar. Uh, every uh, week I'll start out and I'll put a piece of paper on the left side of my uh, desk blotter and I'll just write Monday and everything that I have to do on Monday and Tuesday and so forth. And it's just like every, every day, every day this week I have appointments. I have appointments with my trainer. I have appointments with doctors. Uh, I have appointments with hanger prosthetic. You you just name it. I've got an appointment somewhere. Uh, Some days appointments start at 9 in the morning, and uh, I'll I'll go till 2 in the afternoon, and then I'll pick up sometimes again in the evening. It's just like that's just what life is. Uh, The doctor's appointments, they're the ones. I can't believe how many different doctors I see. I've, I've understood now the reason they call this stage in life the golden years. It's because it takes a lot of gold to pay the doctors off and uh, so forth. But uh, that's just kind of the way it is. Anybody else kind of finding that that's it's just one thing after another? And, and those appointments, that's just, uh, that's just a part of life. Um, when it comes to life in general, when it comes to our spiritual life, our, 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 our existence as human beings, uh, we have some appointments that have been set in place, appointments that are ordained for us. Ecclesiastes 3, the, the very famous passage about, uh, again, to everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, we we get that remarkable list that uh, there, there, are, there are certain times when different things are just going to happen in our lives. And we need to understand and be reminded That when it comes to spiritual things and life and death things, we have some appointments that have been established by God that we are not going to shake off. Some of my earthly appointments, I can cancel them if needs be. Um, Last week on Tuesday, I was to have uh, an appointment with a trainer. Uh, somebody gave me some, uh, a gift of training, uh, for my birthday. And so I have these half hour sessions early on Tuesday morning, uh, and so forth. Uh, but I'd had some, some, some chest pain issues and some difficulties the day before i and, and so I had to cancel, uh, and so forth. And sometimes we get to do that. Uh, sometimes other things come uh, come along and we just have to call the doctor and say, Hey, can I reschedule with you? Um, That happens sometimes in life, but when it comes to some things that God's ordained, every one of us has some appointments and we're not going to walk away from them. We're not going to cancel them. We are going to keep them. The Bible talks about several of those, and we're just going to walk through. Some are very common sense, but you're going to see how they are all tied together in God's plan for us. And we're supposed to realize why the Bible put it in there and to respond accordingly. Uh, for, for, for instance, number one, we all have an appointment with the day of our birth. And you kept that, that appointment. I don't know if you know that. Uh, that, that was not something that we chose. We chose. Uh, Nobody sitting in this room chose the day that you were going to be born. Now, your parents might have. Uh, We we did that with uh, both uh, Sarah and Anna because Trina had C-sections. We just kind of picked a date, uh, and Trina went in, and that is the day that they were born. But Sarah and Anna had no say in that. By the way, uh, Anna was born on May the 31st. Uh, She was not due until something like June 6th or something like that, but she was born May 31st, and that's the date that Trina chose, and the reason Trina chose that is we lived up in the Rochester, New York area, uh, and Kodak was, and to some extent, still headquartered there. There. And that year in the month of May, uh, every baby that was born in the county that month got a 35 millimeter camera. And Trina wanted the camera, so that's why Anna's birthday is May 31st and not June the 6th. How many are, how many are totally unsurprised? I mean, that, just, that is just her. But, but we all have that. Uh, the Bible says there is a time to be born. Um, and and uh, we've all met that that appointment. But verse two says, there's not only a time to be born, there's also a time to die. There is a time to die. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter nine in your Bibles, Hebrews chapter nine. And you might want to put a a marker here because we're going to come back to this particular verse in a moment. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die. There's that word appointed from which we get appointment. It is appointed unto men once to die. There is a time when every one of us are going to face physical death. David said in Psalm 31 and verse 15, he said, my times are in thy hand. God chose the day of my birth and God knows the day when I'm going to leave this earth and and he knows the day of my death. David understood that. David was yielded to that. David allowed that thought to direct and control him. My times are in thy hand. So just like we all had a time to be born, we all have a time in which we're going to die. Turn to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90. This is called the prayer of Moses, the man of God. Psalm chapter 90. And Moses pays homage to this idea about the brevity, the length of our lives. Notice what he says in verse number 9. He says, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Once upon a time, and then the story begins to unfold, but at the end of every story are those two words, the end. And Moses is saying, look, that's, that's what life is like. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. A score is 20. Three score is 60, okay? So he says, the days of our years are three score years and ten, 70 years, if by reason of strength... They be fourscore, or eighty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom." Moses recognized that not only was there a day of birth, but there is a day of death it is appointed to us. When he says, teach us to number our days, uh, he doesn't really mean that we have a, a chart up on the wall and we know exactly when the day of our death is because we don't, unless you're on death row. The rest of us don't know that. What he's saying is is teach us to take every day that you've given to us to value that day, to put the emphasis on that day, because we have no idea whether this is the next day or whether this is the last day. Just, I think, two weeks ago today, a close friend of Brother Adam and his wife Janelle Uh, Someone that Tim and and Miss Carla uh, spent time working with when when, uh, they worked at Grace Baptist College in Gaylord, Michigan, James Bake, uh, stepped out into eternity. James was 30 years of age. I will guarantee you that James was in better physical shape than anyone in this room. Um, he was as strong as an ox. He was a multi-talented athlete. He was a multi-talented person. Brother Tim mentioned in Sunday school today a little bit about him. He was a master carpenter, a master plumber, a master electrician. He, he could fix any kind of vehicle, di- uh, diesel or gas. He was a guy who gave himself to, to help other people. He was a youth pastor uh, in his church. But at the age of 30, this young man in the prime of life, In peak physical condition, he had no idea that morning that he was gonna step out into eternity, but he did. It is appointed unto men once that I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to to make this a, a depressing type message. But it is a reality that if we are wise, we're going to take to heart. That's why Moses said we spend our years as a tale that is told. There's the opening chapter. There's the final chapter. So, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom Now, in between those two appointments, our appointment with birth and our appointment with death, there is another appointment in there, and that is our our appointment with the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have an appointment with the, the, the message of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter 1, John chapter 1. We're going to pick it up at verse 1, and we're going to read several uh, verses together. In the beginning was the Word. That's a capital W, is it not? That means it is a title. He is talking about the Lord Jesus. We know that from verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He's establishing the deity of Christ. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him, that's Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now John is introducing the whole subject of the life of Christ... And uh, by the time he's penned these words, uh, the, the Lord has been born, he's lived, he's died on the cross, been buried, been resurrected, and he has ascended back into heaven. The life of Christ by this time is history. And John is saying the, the, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and people didn't even comprehend what they were seeing. He came to the Jewish people and they did not even recognize what was in front of them. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, referring to John the Baptist. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Capital L, another title for Christ. That was the true light, notice this, which lighteth every man that cometh in to the world. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Every human being has to make a decision of what we are going to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right before Jesus was crucified on that very morning, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate stood before the assembled multitude of chief priests and scribes and elders and the mob that they had. And uh, at that time, he offered them a choice, a, a thief and a murderer named Barabbas or Jesus who was called the king of the Jews. And they had been prompted to cry out, we want Barabbas. And Pilate answered and said again unto them in, in Mark 15 12, What will you then that I shall do unto him whom ye call the King of the Jews? Elsewhere he, he put it this way, What then shall I do with Jesus which is called Christ? That is a question that every human being has to answer. What are you going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? He came so that you might have life, that you might have it more abundant. But the question is, what are you going to do? In John chapter 1 again, the Bible says in verse 10, he was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, that's the Jewish people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You have an appointment with birth, you have an appointment with death, but in between, you have an appointment with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us has an appointment like Zacchaeus did in Luke chapter 19 as Jesus traveled through the city of Jericho Multitudes followed him and there was a, a, a tax collector, uh, a crooked tax collector. He, by his own testimony later on, he, he admitted that he had cheated and stolen from people. He was short of stature and nobody would allow him to have a, a, even a glimpse of this Jesus of Nazareth. So you know how Zacchaeus climbed up into the tree, uh, a sycamore tree, just to, to, to get a glimpse of him. And as Jesus passed by, he stopped under the tree And he looked up, called Zacchaeus by name, and said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Zacchaeus did not know that he had a divine appointment with Jesus Christ, but that day, that reality came upon him. And to Zacchaeus' credit, Zacchaeus listened to what Jesus had to say, and and, and the Savior's testimony was, today salvation is come to this house. On the very day that Jesus Christ died, on either side of him there were crucified a thief. They were guilty of their crimes. And they were dying the same death that he was, only he was innocent and they were not. At the beginning of the crucifixion, both of those men were casting the same vile comments at Jesus as the crowd below. If you're really the Christ, save yourself and save us. Uh, You saved others, uh, yourself you can't save, and they were joining in both of them. But as the day wore on, those six hours that the Savior hung on the cross, and the Savior is praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And, and, and looking down and seeing his mother and, and, and seeing John beside her and said, woman, behold, I'm uh, sorry, saying to John, behold thy mother and, 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 and all of these things. And they were, they were learning. And this man on uh, the, the, the cross was saying, this Jesus is not what everybody says he was. He was understanding that that truly he really was the son of God. He may have heard Jesus preach in time past. It wouldn't surprise me. Jesus didn't do things in the corner. Multitudes followed him. Multitudes had been healed. As the day wore on, one of those thieves continued to cast accusations at him. But the thief over here, uh, I don't know how he summoned the strength to carry on the conversation. He said, you need to leave him alone. He said, you and I are here because we deserve it. We're criminals, we're guilty, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Then he looked straight at Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Savior's response was, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That was that man's last day on earth. Do you understand? He made it into heaven just under the wire. Talk about a deathbed conversion. But that man had an appointment with the gospel. By the way, because you don't know when your day of death is, don't put off your day of, of coming to know Christ as Savior. You might say, well, I'll get saved someday, and someday might never come. Today might be all you get. That's why the Bible says, behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. That's why Hebrews reminds us several times, today If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, the temptation in in the wilderness with the children of Israel. Today is the day, but you have an appointment with Christ. Now, I realize it's a Sunday night crowd, uh, but that doesn't mean that everybody here is saved. There may be people here and you know you're not. You just keep putting it off. Uh, you, you're, you're willing to live one ma- more day under conviction. Please don't do that because you've got an appointed day to die and you have, no way, you have no way of knowing when that time is. But you have an appointment with the gospel and your eternity depends on what you do with that. By the way, after we get saved, we have an appointment with a matter of surrender to the Savior. Turn, to, if, turn with me, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In verse number 1, the apostle Paul writes and says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. God has shown you so much mercy in saving you. The song that Miss Carla just sang reminds us of the fact we are utterly unworthy of the sacrifice of Calvary, but he made it anyhow. That's the mercies of God. So he says, I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We have an appointment with Christ for salvation, but also for surrender. Am I going to let Christ be the king of my life? Am I going to let him lead? Am I going to place him in charge? In between that moment of birth and that moment of death, we've got to decide those things. We have that appointment with Christ. We all do. We all do. Um, as we come to church, you understand that we have an appointment with the next step in the will of God for our lives. Am I going to take that? Am I going to keep going for Christ or am I going to put limits on him? We all have that appointment. Um, you, you, you've got the appointment. What you do with that one is up to you. When it came to salvation, the Bible says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. There, was, there were multitudes that rejected him, but as many as did receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. The th- same thing's true with surrender. God's not going to make you do anything. God's, God's given us free will. And you've got, the, you've got the freedom to choose the Lord or you. God's way or your way. Every one of us has got, got that, that same choice, but you understand you're going to make the choice, and, and we do. We do. There's no middle ground. Like I said this morning, it's either a corrupt tree or it's a good tree. There is no such thing as a tree that, that bears good fruit and some bad fruit. It's one or the other according to the Scripture. So you and I have the choice to make, but there's another appointment that we make after death. Go back to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse number 27 again. The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the what? The judgment. We have an appointment. It's a judgment seat of Almighty God. And everybody has one everybody's going to stand there. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Bible says in verse number 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When a person dies, it's not the end. They just get a new address. And Paul understood that someday I'm, you know, I'm going to end my life here. And at that moment, I'm going to be in the presence of God. Wherefore, we labor that whether present, I'm I'm here now or absent, I'm with the Lord, we may be accepted of him. That means pleasing in his sight. And look at verse 10. For some of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Brother Rob shaking his head in defiance at me. Read it with me, verse 10. For we must... All appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul's writing to believers now. Every one of us are someday going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ for a believer, that's not about determining whether we go to heaven or hell. That got settled the day you got saved. This is about reward or loss of reward. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul says in verse 9. We are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Meaning like. You're God, God's garden. If you will. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God. Which is given unto me. As a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation. And Another buildeth thereon. Paul was the pastor who started the church, led them to Christ, discipled them, and now they have another pastor building on that. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, those are things that last and endure, wood, hay, stubble. Those are things of inferior Value. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So someday we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and it'll be like fire being put to to these various materials to see what makes it through the fire. Gold, silver, and precious stones don't burn wood, hay, and stubble burn up and turn to ash. It goes on to say, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. This is about reward or loss of reward. So it is appointed unto men once to die. So someday in God's calendar, there there was the date of my birth. Uh, There is the date of my death. And in between those was the date when I was presented with the gospel and I had to choose salvation or not. And there are those times where God deals with me about surrender uh, of my will and my life to him. And that's somewhat of an ongoing process. Then comes the day of my death. But after that is the judgment. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And it is the judgment seat of Christ that I am going to answer for everything I did between the day of my birth and the day of my death, especially as it regards Jesus Christ. Now, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Nothing's going to change. But the judgment seat of Christ is, am I I going to get rewarded or am I going to have loss of reward? I think one of the sad things that the judgment seat of Christ is going to be people that filled churches like ours, but they, they lived carnal lives, they lived selfish lives, they lived unsurrendered lives, they lived worldly lives, and they're going to stand there and God is going to show them what they could have had for eternity had they surrendered. They're they're, they're going to see the people that could have been saved that would have been in heaven with them. They're they're, they're going to see the crowns. They're they're going to see the rewards that God had promised uh, and provided for them. But because they they said, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to do my thing. And I know the Bible says, but they're going to stand in heaven and just watch everything they live for just burned up to cinder and ash. And they're going to be standing there. They're saved yet so is by fire. Oh, they're going to go to heaven, and that's a great and a wonderful thing, but uh, they're not going to go in with any rewards, and that's going to be a sad day. You understand that it's not until the Lord establishes a new heaven and a new earth that God wipes away all tears from their eyes. That's, That's an interesting thought. Could that possibly mean that there is a measure of sadness in heaven before that day? is people realize there are people I should have witnessed to before I died, and I never did. Boy, I hope somebody can go back and witness to them. In Luke chapter 16, the Bible tells the story of a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. The rich man fared sumptuously every day, was clothed in purple and fine linen. The beggar sat at his gate begging for crumbs from the master's table. The Bible says the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And then it says in one of the saddest verses of the Bible, the rich man also died and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. And you know the conversation that ensued between that rich man and Abraham just begging for a simple drop of water. And it's always weird to me, he said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Even in hell, his carnal wicked mindset was still present and he still saw Lazarus as a beggar that was meant to serve him in some capacity. And Abraham said, it can't be done. There's a great gulf fixed between us and you, and nobody can pass one way or the other. And then the rich man said, I have five brothers. Send Lazarus back that he can tell them about this awful place lest they come here. And Abraham's reply was, they have, they have Moses in the scriptures, the prophets. Let them, let them listen to them. They've got the, the message. They just need to listen to that because they're not going to believe even if somebody came back from the dead. I don't believe it's just the people in the lake of fire in hell that are crying out, oh, I hope somebody will tell my my, my brother, my sister, my friends, my neighbors, uh, my spouse about this awful place and tell them about Christ. I think in, in, in heaven there are people They're going to be grieving at the opportunities they never took advantage of because it's not till after Armageddon, not till after the millennium, and not till after the new heaven and the new earth that the tears are wiped away from our eyes. Just just something to think about. You and I are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every single one of us. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And whether that's a good day or a sad day depends on everything we do between the time of our birth and the time of our death as it relates to Jesus Christ. By the way, the judgment seat of Christ is not meant to be like a hammer or a weight that God is holding over our head, ready to drop it on us, like, you know, Wiley Coyote and the anvil on the roadrunner. That's really not what it's about. It's meant to be an encouragement to us to say, Look, there's something for you to look forward to. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is where Paul is at the end of his life. And he writes to young Timothy, some of the final words that he pens, remarkable words. He says in verse number 6, for I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. He knew he was under a death sentence. Some commentators have remarked that there may have already been a date set for his execution. He may have known the day of his death. If he did not, he knew it couldn't be very far away. So we understood, I- I've kept the appointment with my birth. I'm about to keep the appointment with my death. Okay, notice what he says next. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In between birth and death, he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and received him as his Savior. From that moment on, that question he asked on that day, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do, was always his question. Lord, what do you want me to do? And he was a man, as we're studying through the book of Acts, we see a man who has just yielded to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. Just following Christ, doing what Christ would have him to do. So in between birth, his appointment with birth, his appointment with death, those appointments with Christ, he met them with faith. He responded, I have kept the faith. And notice what he says now in verse 8. Henceforth, because of verse 7, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Paul wasn't dreading the judgment seat of Christ. Paul was looking forward to it. Paul was excited about it because he knew what the Savior had promised about that crown of righteousness. And, and he, he goes by extension saying, by the way, this isn't just for me. This is for every one of you. If you'll just set your heart on fire and you'll love the Lord Jesus Christ, the same rewards promise you. Paul was excited about it. He was looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ because of how he had handled Christ in between the moment he was born and the moment he was going to die. And that's where it's all at on March the 18th of this year, I'm gonna do something that I think I might be slightly crazy for doing. I, am, I have uh, entered into my first powerlifting competition. By the way, my doctors are all totally aware of what I'm doing and they're all saying, keep it up. They know this is not muscular skeletal, it's not nervous uh, system, it's not GI related. They have no idea what it is, but they've ruled out all of those things. So as long as they're telling me it's okay, uh, I am I'm cautiously continuing those things. But on that day, uh, I'm going to compete in deadlifting, uh, bench pressing and back squats uh, and so forth. There are one hundred and seventy five thousand members of the powerlifting association that I am now signed up and a member of. Uh, Brother Tim, where where are you? You're over here. Uh, can you remind me how many adaptive athletes are in that group? 12 to 15 out of 175,000, okay? I'm in a class all by myself. Not, not, you add to that, they also break it up by age group. I'm, I'm more than likely the only one 65 and older. I am. I already hold the record there, that type of thing. Um, I I signed up for it just because, you know, I'm not getting any younger, and I thought it it, it might be something fun to do, and, and, uh, you know, I I have no illusions. I've been to a couple of those. I I was to one where a 16-year-old girl set a national record in squats, Uh, a 16-year-old girl putting down like 435 pounds, I would not want to meet her in a dark alley at night if she was mad at me, that is for sure. Uh, that isn't going to happen, not even close to that, and I, I understand it. But I, the, the competitions I've been to, I know that at the end of the day, they bring out this little podium type thing, and it's, it's tiered in stairs. And there's one right in the center that's taller than the rest. And then there's one on this side that's a little bit lower. And then I I think maybe the other one is just standing on the floor, that type of thing. And they are for the top three. And whoever was first place, got the most points, stands on that tall podium. And they bend over and they put the medal around their neck. And everybody claps and cheers. Second place and then the third place uh, for a bronze medal on that. And the truth of the matter is, everybody that's competing that day, they probably have different reasons for being there, uh, that type of thing. But in the back of everybody's mind is, wouldn't it, be to, wouldn't it be cool to have my name called and go on the podium? Wouldn't that be cool? There's, there, there's something. I, I have no illusions of, of, of anything. I kind of have in my mind some target weights that I'd, I'd like to accomplish uh, on the list, I'm just hoping I don't make an idiot of myself in front of everybody. I'm hoping Leonardo cooperates uh, because sometimes he doesn't uh, on the, on the lists and stuff like that. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's, it's the little boy in me. I think it'd be really cool if they call me out there and I won some kind of medal. I'm, I'm kind of thinking because I'm going to be the only adaptive athlete, I'm going to be the only old adaptive athlete. I got first place locked in. That's my kind of competition, that type of thing. Um, I have no idea what the day holds. I just hope that uh, I, I don't make an idiot out of myself, don't embarrass my coach, uh, anything like that. But I, it, it's there. It's going to be fun. That's, that's really how the Lord wants us to, to look towards the judgment seat of Christ. It, what an opportunity. By the way, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not competing against each other. It's not like first, second, and third. Um, if there was a singing competition between Brother Adam and myself, who would win? How many think Brother Adam would win? How many think I would win? You're the people that are gonna go to heaven. Okay, there's no competition on that, none whatsoever. Now, I can carry a tune, and, and if, if I've got enough time, I can pick out a part now and then, but, but he just it's just second nature. God has gifted him like that. Wouldn't it be terrible of, 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 of God for Adam and I to stand before the Lord someday and say, Well, Tom, I can't I can't bless you. I don't have any rewards for you because Adam was a much better singer than you, and you just didn't measure up to him. So Adam, here's some rewards, and Tom just go go enjoy heaven, but there are no re- that wouldn't be God. That wouldn't be God because God's a fair God. He's a just God. I'm not competing against Brother Adam. Brother Adam's not competing against me. We're not competing against each other. This is, are, are we going to be everything we as individuals can be for the Lord Jesus Christ? You read the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. The guy that had five talents to start out with and made five more and ended up with ten, his, his commendation was, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many. The next guy came up, he started with two, he made two more, so he only had four to show for his, his time in service to the master. 10 verses 4. Yet the guy with the four talents, the master said the exact same words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. They weren't competing against each other. They were just each uh, taking what God had given them, doing it to the best of their ability, and that's all the master cared about. And someday we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. May I say this? That time is a lot closer than we think. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The day of my death is closer than it's ever been, the day of the rapture is closer than it's ever been. That means the judgment seat of Christ is closer than it's ever been. If that's going to be a good day for you and I, isn't it about time that we take our relationship with Jesus Christ to the next level? Isn't it about time we get serious about telling people about Christ, about serving Christ, about loving Christ, uh, about getting into this book and letting the Holy Spirit apply it to our hearts and lives? In the time we we stop playing church in the time we stopped playing Christian in the time that we got off the gossip line and the complaining line and got real with God, because we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And if that's how you choose to live your miserable life, go ahead. But I'm telling you the judgment seat of Christ will not be a happy day for you. And it won't you You can't blame it on the church on that day. You can't blame it on your friends on that day. You have to blame it only on you because you're the one making the choices of what you're going to do with your life. Jim Elliott, the great missionary, who was martyred in Ecuador in 1956, penned in his journey as a Bible college student. Only one life so soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We have four appointments that every one of us are going to keep. The day of our birth, you've already, you've already done that. There is appointed unto men once to die. There's an appointment, the day of death. In between those two is our relationship with Christ, our response to him. And after death is the judgment seat of Christ. That judgment seat of Christ is entirely based on what you do with Jesus Christ today. How many of us can say with an honest heart tonight, Pastor, I'm saved. If I died this moment, I know for certain that I'd go to heaven. How many can say that? That's your testimony. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be assured of? Could you put your hands down, heads bowed and eyes closed?